running away from people now. 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fati was always soft. Can't uh, win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Happy Monday, everyone. Stephen Fonte, no Seth Goldberg today. He's off today. We'll be back tomorrow. Join in the studio here for hour number one with Nate Mink from Syracuse.com. And then his colleague, Mike Waters, will be here hour number two. So we're going to talk football in hour number one, basketball in hour number two. We want to hear from you as well at 315-437-7644. We do have SU's defensive coordinator, Brian Ward, set to join us here in about 15 minutes. Uh, as we look back on a, a 41-3 win by the Orange over Holy Cross. By week now, and, and we'll begin to, to look ahead at the rest of this schedule as, as the Orange gets ready for the meat of its ACC schedule uh, starting up a week from this Thursday on the road at NC State. The Wolfpack with a, a rough showing over the weekend on the road at Florida State. NC State also 3-2 and two, uh, like Syracuse. They've beaten Eastern Carolina, Western Carolina, and Ball State and lost to West Virginia and Florida State. All right, Nate, let's start with with Saturday's game over Holy Cross. Uh, we expected a lopsided final score. We we got a lopsided final score. Uh, what did we learn, if anything? What did you learn, if anything, about the Orange uh, from that game, good, bad, or indifferent? I think mostly, Steve, that they are who we kind of thought they were. You know, not to kind of steal a line from Denny Green there, but you know, this is a team that has kind of churned out five pretty consistent performances throughout the month, first month of the season. I mean, offensively, offensive line is still growing up, still trying to get that cohesion up front. Uh, quarterback has has worked through some growing pains at times, some decision-making issues at times that maybe is expected as, as a first-year starting quarterback. Defensively, you know, they're making their money, forcing turnovers and pressuring the quarterback. That's kind of who we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, so, you know... I think we're going to learn a lot more about the progression of some of these units, you know, coming up uh, when they get into the meat of the ACC schedule. Interesting, you should say that 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 they are what we thought they were. I think going into the year, I think some fans expected, and maybe maybe it was unrealistic, but I think they expected that through five games, this team would be four and one, and maybe functioning offensively at a little bit of a higher rate and a higher clip than they are right now. Is this about what you expected to, you know, and, and again, I think we knew coming in, new quarterback, new offensive line, some growing pains are to be expected, but I, I'm, I think a lot of SU fans thought that things would be running a little bit smoother by now. It, it speaks to the thin margin for error that this team has. You know, offensively, I, I did think they would be a little bit further ahead than they were. You know, they had uh, some veteran Guys in the receiving room, at the running back position, you know, even the quarterback, first-year starting quarterback, but third year in the program. Uh, It speaks to, I think, maybe how important that offensive line is, quite frankly. But uh, if there was a positional unit that I think has maybe underwhelmed me through the first month of the season, I look at the receiving room. You know, I think Trishan Jackson has been who we thought he'd be. You know, Tosh Harris had a really strong showing against Holy Cross. Nikeem Johnson has not showed up this year yet. Uh, Sean Riley, I think, has been underutilized in some spots. Um, you know, that was a position everyone had circled as one of the deepest on this team in the preseason, and they're still finding their way. And, and I think Dino has addressed 
certain valid reasons for why they have kind of struggled out of the gate. You know, that he did talk about some of those soft muscle tissue injuries that they've had accrued in the preseason for, you know, the second straight off season. So, you know, they're going to take a hard look at that going into next season. But, you know, all in all, you know, the offense, they are, they are not as efficient as they need to be because the defense, like I said, is, is giving them those extra possessions like they did a year ago. They haven't been capitalizing on this on them this year. Let me follow up on the wide receivers because we saw in year one under Dino Babers when he first got here that Amba Edatawo emerged as the the go to guy and and he was he was reaping the benefits of this fast paced offense and the high volume and and his stats were you know, record setting and out of this world. And then the following year is Steve Ishmael. And then the following year is Jamal Custis. And and we've seen a number one receiver emerge every year. And and I'll be honest with you, Nate, I thought going into this year, I thought they were going to spread it around a little bit more. And I thought you would see, you know, Sean Riley have some big games and Taj Harris have some big games and Nikeem Johnson have some big games and Tristan Jackson. And and Tristan Jackson has emerged as the the Amba role, as the Steve Ishmael role, as the number one guy. Uh, has that surprised you that it's been... And is that a byproduct of the system? Like, are we to expect that moving forward? That that every year there is going to be a guy who kind of separates himself from everybody else, or is that just the way it's worked out through four years or three and a half years to this point? Hard hard to say. I mean, I do think it is kind of a byproduct of the system. I think defenses are going to look to try to take away one of their main threats. You know, Tristan Tristan's a great athlete. I mean, it, it's certainly not a a bad thing that you have a guy that you can kind of set your clock to and, and know that if you throw the ball to him, he has the ability to go up and get it, or you can throw it out wide and he can make a guy miss and pick up a 20, 30 yard chunk play. Uh, you know, I think when you, when you look at some of the, the other issues with the receiving group, again, you know, not to single any one guy out, but Nikeem's been banged up since, since August and, and even going back to the spring. I mean, that that's definitely hindered his ability to have an impact. And he's one of your main downfield threats you know they, they have been more active uh, using the tight ends you know we see them get Aaron Hackett involved in the passing game Luke Benson is a reserve but he's been active in the passing game Elmore isn't afraid they're, they're not afraid to leak him out and run some routes so they are I, I think they're looking to distribute the ball it's just for whatever reason night right now the production seems to be a little a little disproportionate. Tommy DeVito, uh, 19 for 31 on Saturday uh, before the injury, uh, threw for 269 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, didn't run it like he did in the previous game against Western Michigan. His decision-making does seem to be getting better. I know that was an issue, certainly against Maryland, against Clemson. He has the tendency to roll to his right and, and get himself in a little bit of trouble. He did it against Maryland and, and Clemson with two big picks in, in both those games. Do you think his decision-making has has taken a step forward in the last couple of weeks? I think I think it's all it's all byproduct of comfort and reps. and reps. And, you know, it's not just game reps, it's practice reps. You know, he's playing in front of the same line now for, for a month, you know, thrown to the same receivers. Uh, there's a lot more harmony going on up there he knows what his limitations are or he's starting to learn what throws he can and cannot get away with uh in terms of the run game yeah i think he's going to be i think he should look to run uh if the defense gives him that window to, to take that extra turf i mean we saw him have straight line speed uh last week against western michigan you know that's going to only help some of these other areas of the offense if he has to be accounted for in the run game you know that puts a little bit of a stressor on on a safety. Now all of a sudden that maybe opens up the the over the top game with Tristan or Taj or another receiver. So it all goes hand in hand, but Tommy I think decision making is is certainly improving and I think, you know, we saw last week uh no turnovers if I'm correct. 
uh, and ditto with Western Michigan. So well, Devito had the one pick on the play that he got hurt on. Right, um, but other than that, he he it was a clean game for for Tommy until the until that that throw, and then he came to the sideline. He was grimacing in pain. We we don't really know a ton about the injury situation. If it was a shoulder, elbow, the rib cage area, hard to say. It certainly looks like an upper body injury. And uh, and I think there's going to be some some mystery surrounding that injury, probably leading up close to to the NC State game. I would think. Absolutely, and it, you know it's 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 not. Uh, we we've seen this before with the quarterback position. You know these these whether it's a shoulder, or it's an elbow. Bottom line, it is is it's discomfort, and we saw that on that pick uh, late in the game. And you know I don't think Dino's going to be or anyone in the program for that matter is going to be in a rush to to put out information. I mean I think it's going to be our situation where Tommy needs to rest up, ice it, get it right. I don't think it's an injury that he's not going to be able to play through. But you take the wrong hit or you try to overexert it, like maybe he did in the fourth quarter against Holy Cross, and it, it might flare up again. I think it's it's probably a good sign as we're, as we're trying to read between the lines and look at the tea leaves. The fact that he did an interview after the game with with my, Matt Park, I think that's probably a good sign. If he was if he was if it was a super serious injury, he's probably not doing interviews at that point. Uh, he did not come to the podium for the the television media and the print media, um, but all signs seem to indicate, as you said, that it's it's nothing super serious that he's going to be okay. But um, obviously, a concern for this team moving forward, and you, and you hope he's ready to go in a week and a half. I, I guess we could say that the bye week comes at a really good time for him to get healthy. You've got Andre Cisco and Ify Melifano who have sat out back to back games. Um, McKinley Williams, who is yet to play yet, and and Dino Babers said last week that they're targeting around the time of the NC State game for his return. Uh, so this bye week could come in a really good time from a health perspective, no doubt, no doubt. And the one guy you're also forgetting is Sam Heckel, who sure you know we don't really know much about either. Well, His status right. has kind of been draped in a cloak of yeah. mystery really since you know the middle of August. So. You know, I think his health really is going to be a doctor's decision once once doctors clear him. I think that's when he'll get the green light to return, but who knows when that will be. But, you know, the, the most of the guys you mentioned, you know, DeVito, Iffy, Cisco, you know, those guys I don't think are just really dealing with minor stuff that they're going to be able to play through. Uh, Bear, you know, that's a, that was a significant injury. He's been out, you know, for over a month now, almost going on two months. So, you know, we'll see. You know, it's got to heal, but... Uh, you know his his addition to that D line really enables them to to have a deeper rotation and and allow guys to stay fresher inside there. And you would think that that will uh, go a long way toward solving one of the the major issues with this team, and that's that's the run defense. And Holy Cross wasn't able to run the football; we didn't expect them to. Uh, but Maryland certainly had a field day on the ground. Western Michigan uh, had its way with the Orange defense on the ground, and and the return of McKinley Williams uh, should certainly help with that. We do need to take our first time out. When we return, we'll bring on the defensive coordinator of the Orange. Brian Ward joins us next. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Fonte, Nate Mink with you today for hour number one. We're talking football in hour number one. We're going to talk basketball in hour number two with Mike Waters. Seth will be back on the show tomorrow. Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315 315- Four three seven seventy six forty four. Always great uh, catching up with Brian Ward. Uh, we've talked to him twice on the show. Both uh, were after great performances. We talked to him after the the Liberty game and now uh, after Holy Cross. Um, and uh, listen, we expected Syracuse to dominate both those opponents. Um, 
but I, I I thought they you know they did some good things. I, the run defense is still a question mark, and that's not something that that we learned on Saturday. Uh, we knew Holy Cross wasn't going to be able to run the football. We've seen Maryland do it. Uh, we saw Western Michigan do it. Uh, Clemson. To some degree, ran the football, but they've got Trevor Lawrence, and and he was able to beat Syracuse through the air that day. I think that's probably my biggest concern with this team from a defensive perspective. Nate is is whether or not they truly can stop the run on a consistent basis once they get into ACC play. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes without question too. And one of the things Brian touched on was, you know, he feels they are playing the right guys, they are playing their best players, and it's just a really a matter of the best players being healthy enough to play. I mean, because I think that's what we saw, particularly two years ago when they had that late season collapse in November. They got a rash of injuries hit them in the defensive backfield, and that's when the top came off. And, you know, as long as they are playing their right their right players, their best players, I think they're going to continually have an opportunity to get after the quarterback and create turnovers. And that's, that's how this program is built, Steve. I mean, it's all about giving that offense extra possessions to score points and be efficient with those extra possessions that the defense gives them. And to me, the biggest thing for this team is is just finding a way to be more efficient with those extra possessions and, and getting that score elevated. And I'll say this about the, the rash of injuries late. I mean, we saw that really in, in Dino's first two years here that they the injuries accumul- accumulated in October and November, and it led to a lot of losses because they simply did not have the depth in the program. You know, now... You, you have a guy like Ify Melifon who go down or Andre Sisco go down and you've got Scoop Bradshaw and, and Antoine Cordy to, to fill in. You've, you've got some depth uh, in the secondary and really across the board. I think that's one of the things that, that I've noticed the most that has changed from you know year one to year four. You know, I mean, even going back to, to year three, that if there is a, a significant injury, it doesn't kill you the way that it, it did early on uh, when th- this coaching staff still got here because they have been able to, to build up depth and, and stock the cupboard, so to speak, across the board. And it helps when Clemson is, is out of the way by right. mid-September. I mean, now, I think this next four-game stretch is going to be a physical toll sure. on them. I mean, BC and Pitt are always going to be physical games. NC State is a physical opponent. And Florida State, you know, they have some coaching struggles right now, but they still have the personnel. Got some talent going there, to be, Got some athletes. It's, it's going to be tough to match up with them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, we didn't touch on this in the, in the first segment, but I, I do want to get back to this because I know it's it's been a concern for, for some fans in this town uh, regarding the Tommy DeVito injury. I know that there are, are some fans that have questioned why Tommy was, was still in the game in the fourth quarter in a 41-3 blowout. You and I talked about this before the show started. I think we're, we're on the same page. I'm not sure all of the SU fans are on the same page with us. Uh, I did not have a problem with it at all that Tommy was still in the game in the fourth quarter. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you agree with that. It's 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 September, and you're still trying to get better. There's still reps to be had out there. You know, this isn't a case where you're in the middle of November and you kind of know what you have. I mean, you're still trying to work out some kinks. You're still trying to elevate that score week to week, and Every rep matters at this stage in the game. You know, I was watching the Ohio State-Nebraska game the other night. Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet had the same sentiment for Justin Fields in Ohio State, and that was a 48-7 to game. You know, he had no issue with Justin Fields being in that game in the fourth quarter of a 41-point game. Uh, it's early enough in the season. Reps matter, and the more reps you, are, the more reps you get, the better you're going to get. 
And that's where the improvement has to come. And, and let's be honest. I mean, Syracuse scored with 10 minutes to go in the first half on an Abdul Adams run to make it 24-3. And then they did not score another touchdown until a minute to go, one fifteen to go uh, in the third quarter. And that was the Taj Harris catch and run where he just used his athleticism and kind of outran everybody. Got a great block from Tristan Jackson on that play, by the way. Um, but it's not like the offense was functioning and like clicking on all cylinders. Like I completely understand. I mean, this is his fifth career career start for Tommy DeVito. You still had the first team offensive line in there. You're, you're trying to work out some issues on the offensive line. Uh, and, and it wasn't like your offense was having a super efficient day. Like They're trying to work on some things going into the bye week and getting ready for the meat of their ACC schedule. So it didn't bother me in the least. And, and it wasn't like he got hit and got hurt. I mean, he threw the ball. And, I mean, it looks like the injury came on just him throwing the ball on, on a pass similar to, to what happened to Ben Roethlisberger, where he just threw the ball, and you know, hopefully the injury is not that serious, as, as serious as Ben's, but same type of thing where he didn't get hit on the play, just threw the ball, and and he you know had a, had an injury. It's a play that could have happened in the middle of the fourth quarter. Could have happened, it in, could practice. Have happened, in, could have happened in practice, you right. know. And they still had their first team offensive line on the field at that point, so it's not like you're putting Devito in more harm's way because you have. Uh, reserve offensive lineman pass protecting him. I mean, he has his starting group that's going to be starting right. the game against North Carolina State in front of him there. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's it was not out of line to have him in the game at that point. Tommy DeVito was sacked once on Saturday. Uh, he was under pressure, though, a little bit more than we probably thought he would be. And, you know, it wasn't like Syracuse was able to take advantage all that much on the ground either. They only ran for 143 yards as a team. Um Concerned at all? I mean, I know we've all collectively been concerned about the offensive line, but the way that they didn't quite dominate Holy Cross, is that a little bit of a red flag to you coming out of that game? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just just the way it was against Liberty. I mean, this is this has been an ongoing issue for the first month. And and, and it's, probably not an easy fix either. No, I think you gotta roll with what you have. Again, you, you to some degree you are who you are. You know, the film doesn't lie. And you know they're going to have to continuously work around this issue, and it's not going to get any easier. But the deeper you get into the season, rosters change, personnel changes. Maybe guys are in and out of the lineup uh, that allows you to take advantage of another opponent's weakness. But the reality is, Steve, the way this conference is set up right now, every team has flaws, every team has weakness. It's about exploiting those weaknesses to the best of your ability. Uh, and Syracuse is no different than than any of these other guys. All right, so I'm going to ask you a really difficult question right now. Uh, well, it's a simple question. I'm not sure there's a simple answer, though. As you look at the rest of SU's schedule, who the rest of the way would you consider is better than Syracuse right now? Right now. Wake Forest. Okay, I'll accept that. Nobody else. I can't definitively say they right. are better. I think they can certainly beat Syracuse. Sure. You know, and, and, and honestly, every team, even Both Louisville. Both ways, I think right? Louisville's, I mean, Syracuse can win any of these games yeah. and lose any yeah. of these games. I think Louisville is much, much improved from a year ago. Florida I think State they have a great better, coach in better than they were. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I guess that was that was my point. I, I, we're on the same page. We didn't even talk about this beforehand, but I, I guess that's that's the point, is that Syracuse is 3-2 and two right now, but the way that the ACC is, and you've got Clemson out of the way, as you, as you pointed out, all of their goals are still there. I mean, eight, nine wins, that that was what a majority of people were talking about before the season started. Eight, nine wins. They could still get to eight, nine wins because the, the, you look at what's on their schedule the rest of the way. There's no one that's definitively better. And, and you're right. I think Wake Forest, I think we all consider them ahead of Syracuse right now. But 
You're telling me Syracuse can't beat Wake at home the final game of the season? I mean, a lot can change between now and then. So I feel like every game that's on the table the rest of the way is is a very winnable game, uh, beginning with this NC State game next Thursday. I mean, NC State doesn't look like anything special right now, and they lost their you know, their star running back in, in Ricky Person Jr., and they struggled to move the ball against Florida State. And again, Florida State's got a lot of four- and five-star guys on that team, but uh, NC State did not look good this weekend. I think the biggest thing this team has to clean up going into the ACC play is the turnovers on offense. They're, they are forcing a ton of turnovers defensively. I think they are at the top of the country again in turnovers forced, but they're almost at even in terms of turnover margin because they're just being careless with the ball. And they're having these extra possessions on offense and they're giving them back and... You know, a year ago, they had a 31-18 to 18 turnover margin. You know, they were winning a lot of their conference games by two scores. Makes a big difference in those toss-up games when you get extra possessions. And and you're right, that's something that, that clearly needs to change. Uh, they were sloppy with the football on Saturday. They've been sloppy. At the, I mean, you look at the, their two losses. I mean, the Maryland game, the play that sticks out to you is the, is the pick that Tommy threw, and that was such a... A swing of momentum in that game instantaneously. You're down 14 nothing. You're playing from behind. And the Clemson game, you have a chance to make it 17-13 in the third quarter with a first and goal from the nine. You throw the pick on the first play, and then three plays later, you know Amari Rogers is off to the races, and the and the game is over. Um, you know you could look at the biggest play from those two games was a pick. Yeah, and the 38-33 game, Western Michigan two sure. weeks ago, there was a dropped interception that could have gone for six the other way and given Western Michigan all the momentum in that world in that fourth quarter. Good point. Uh, last last topic here in, in this segment uh, before we get to our final segment here in hour number one. Top 25 poll is out. You are an AP voter. Uh, Clemson dropped from number one to number two. I know in your particular poll you had Clemson still uh, number one. Just wanted to get your, your thoughts on, on that whole situation as you know Alabama takes over the top spot. And again, right now, it doesn't really matter. And as long as they stay in the top four, they're going to the playoff. And obviously, if Clemson stays undefeated, they're going to the playoff no matter what. Um, but your thoughts on why you kept them number one and why you think they dropped to number two? I think I'm number one because I, I, I don't want to overreact to one performance. Uh, you know, I still think Clemson has, has frontline talent that is at the top of the country. You know, they are allowed to not put their best foot forward and not get dinged for it. You know, an example going back 10 years, USC in the middle of their, their dynasty run in, in 04 had to come back from 11 down against Stanford in late September against a Stanford team that ended up winning five games. So my point is, is like these performances happen from time to time. Uh, but on the, in the same vein, I don't have a problem if anyone voted Auburn number one, Ohio State number one, Bama number one. Uh, you know, Auburn arguably has the best collection of wins this season when they won a neutral site game against Oregon, uh, beat Mississippi State, uh, had another SEC win on their, on their plate already, went to uh, Texas A&M, Kyle Field, and won in College Station. Uh, so... Ohio State has looked impressive as anyone this year, winning their games by you know something of 40, 50 points a game, uh, much improved defensively. Uh, Georgia has a really, really good win against Notre Dame. LSU has a really, really good win at Texas. I think that top six right now is still so close, and you can make a case for really any of those teams being number one. Uh, but right now, I think Clemson, amidst a, a winning streak that is beyond 20 games now, I think, is... Uh, they're still my pick until they get beat, quite and, frankly. And I'm with you. I think, in, in my opinion, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. As you said, they, they, they're they on this remarkable streak, really over the last four years or so, where, I mean, they they have proven that they're either, you know, the best team in the country or the second best team in the country, um, you know, for the last four years. 
I think they're they're number one. In my mind, they're number one until they lose. You it's, know, until it, you tell me otherwise. It's a data point, and I think you know the NC State game they could have lost that, or the NC game, the North Carolina game they could have lost. But it's it's one data point. If it starts to become a trend, then yeah, I'd consider moving them down. Or as we get deeper into October, as some of these other uh, SEC teams start to play each other and beat up on each other, Auburn has a really tough game coming up at Auburn sure. or uh, Florida. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, it's not going to be beneath me to put them and elevate them into the top two or three if they continue to win. But I mean, again, if Clemson goes undefeated, they got nothing to worry about. If they lose a game, now that's that's a problem because the ACC is so down in their strength. The schedule is going to be questioned uh, by the committee. All right, we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio. Running away from people now, 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fati was always soft. Can't win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass end zone. Touchdown and the ball game. DeVito in relief wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. No Seth Goldberg today. He'll be back tomorrow. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters with you for our number two. Always great to see you, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you, too. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I uh, went to, to Bill's Patriots yesterday, and I know you're here to talk basketball. We will talk some football at some point here in hour number two uh, with uh, with today's business. Uh, it was a great game, great atmosphere. The Bills put up more of a fight than I expected. Uh, Patriots got the win, but I, I'm, I'm believing that my Bills may be a playoff contender. Tommy doesn't quite agree with me, um, but uh, I'm feeling good about my Bills today, despite the loss. I understand that you should. I mean, three you're, and one. You're a Redskins fan. Do we, do we even want to bring that up? <laughs> we, we, just, we, we just we uh, just um, <laughs> identified the Redskins as being dead. It was a dead or al- I don't know if you heard the last segment, I but did. Tommy gave us a dead or alive uh, NFL teams. Are they still alive or not? Uh, the Redskins are dead. So maybe that maybe that wasn't the best way to start this hour with you. <laughs> yes. Thanks for having me in, guys. <laughs> let's please let's talk about the Redskins. Yeah, listen. If the Redskins want to pull up the Mayflower trucks and move out of the area, I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> You know, they can follow the Colts. Um, no, the Bills, though, they, listen, I, I think you have definitely have a playoff-worthy defense. Yes, that is without a doubt. And, 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 I know and that defense are, is going to have you in every game you play. There are no moral victories in the NFL. I get it. Um, but I, I wasn't sure the Bills were good after their 3-0 start because of who they played. I felt like after that game yesterday, as you just said, at the very least, you have – a playoff-worthy defense, you're going to be in a lot of games. And I think that offense, and you hope that Josh Allen's okay, mm-hmm. you figure that offense is only going to get better as he you know, gets more and more reps under his belt. And we've already seen two fourth-quarter drives by him to win games. I like Josh Allen a lot. I love that defense. I think the Bills are they're better than I thought they were going to be this year. And I, I do think it's, I think it's okay for Bills fans to start thinking about the playoffs, regardless of what Tommy says. Well, and they played yesterday without Singletary. That's right. Who is a, a a great alternative to to Gore at running back, and if they don't get the punt block, 
You know, they, they outplayed they the win Patriots. That game. Well, even and even with that, if Josh Allen doesn't exit the game early in the fourth quarter with the concussion, they may still win. I mean, they outplayed the Patriots for three quarters of that game, and in my opinion, deserved to win. Well, but and Allen has a lot of growing to do too. He does. Some of the throws he made yesterday were obviously ill advised. Some of the sack, the sack at the end of the second quarter, right at halftime, cost him a field goal. There's another three points. Yeah. So. The, there was, if you're a Bills fan, you can go back yesterday and you can really so many agonize over a lot. Four turnovers. And you look at the three yeah. picks that Allen threw, uh, and all three of them were, he threw off his back foot. He's got to stop doing that. I mean, and that comes with, you know, being a rookie. And I mean, he's in his second year now, but I still look at him as a rookie. I mean, he's still, he's still learning, he's still developing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's decision making that will get better the the longer that that he's he's in the league. But yeah, through three picks, all off his back foot, and uh, so many missed opportunities. But the Bills were right there uh, till the end. We'll we'll get into the NFL uh, later in the show with with today's business. But we're, we're obviously having you here to to talk some hoops. Um, and full lines are open the entire way. If you'd like to call three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Season's right around the corner. It feels like it gets earlier and earlier every year. Practice is already underway. And and I know we saw this team you know a little more than a month. Ago, go to Italy, and we saw four exhibition games. Uh, but it all starts for real November 6th uh, against Virginia. So, with that in mind, Mike, I guess let's start with this. What do you what do you think you know about this year's team? What are you confident you know about this year's team already? I, I think they are a good shooting team. Um, I think they have depth, um, and I think it's depth that can actually be used because I don't think there's a huge talent gap between starter and backup. Even if some of those have any, some of those, I don't even know if they've been determined yet. But um, so if there's not a big gap in between, I think then you're more inclined to, okay, let's take advantage of the depth because that's a strength. You know, if we don't have Billy Owens and Derek Coleman uh, in, in the starting lineup, but we have, you know, the next level guy, let's play our, our backups. And so we'll see how that goes. I, I think the big question marks are how's Jalen Carey going to do at point? And is he the only answer? Because I'm a huge Bryson Goodine fan, and I think the kid's got a lot of potential. Even though I think right now Jalen Carey's going to get the first opportunity there, but uh, so I think the point guard position is is something that we're waiting to see how that develops. And to be honest, that's really my only big question. I'm becoming more and more comfortable with the centers. If Barama's healthy and the two young freshmen look good, I think you've got enough at the, at the five position without even bringing Marek into the equation. Um, and if you have to, you do. But um, I, I just think there's a lot of um, answers at the five. So I really think it's the, the point guard position. And then just being young and new and everyone's going to have to get used to everybody. And it's a tough early schedule. And can they just keep their heads above water until they get to, to New Year's? All right. You touched on depth a moment ago. And I, I'm fascinated by this this year. Well, because I know Syracuse fans out there are like, Mike, why do you talk about depth? Because we know we only get play six well, guys. Right. And it, it's the same thing. And we'll we'll get to the defense in a moment. And I'm 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 more skeptical about the defense. I know Jim Beheim, it seems like every year, says, hey, you know, maybe we'll play man-to-man. And then it's it, it's always the 2-3. And I, I get it. Um, yeah. I feel like every year we talk talk about depth and the the possible combinations and, and equations that you could have on the floor, and then it always turns into, when yeah. push comes to shove, it's a seven- or eight-man rotation. But you look at this year's team, okay? And I'm fascinated by the depth, because like you, I, I think that can be and is a strength of this team right now. You've got the five guys who started over in Italy, and then, in addition to those five, you've got Gerard, Godine, Marek, Howard Washington, Robert Braswell, 
Jesse Edwards, John Bola Jack. You've got 12 guys. I just listed 12 guys, the five starters and, and those seven. Um, you could make a case for for all 12, you know, could potentially work their way into a rotation. It's certainly not going to be 12. But do you think Jim Beheim's going to play nine or 10 guys on a regular basis? I don't know if it's going to go to 10. That's a lot. Um, but I, I could definitely see eight and nine. Because, first of all, let's start at the center position. Barama Sidibe, if he's healthy, I think load management, the NBA sure, term, comes right. into play here because you're talking about a young center who's had tendonitis problems. I don't think you want to overuse him. So someone's going to back him up. If, J- if Jim Boeheim's true to his word, it's not going to be Marek. I think they like the two young centers, Jesse Edwards and John Boltrock. Let's say it's just one of those guys. Okay. Okay, so now you have there's two players. Mm-hmm. If you start the two kids at forward in, that, the, that you did in Italy, in Quincy Garrier and uh, Elijah Hughes, okay, there's your forwards. Marek Dolajai is going to play. Obviously. Okay. That's so five. There's You're up your to five players. Forward, right? Yep. Five plus the two reserves. Yep. Now you have your two guards. Let's say it's Jalen Carey and Buddy, Buddy Beheim. I think Bryson Goodine's going to need minutes. I think he's going to deserve minutes. And I also think you're going to want to get Joe Girard on the floor I just agree. to see if tonight's a Joe Girard night. I agree. You know, And if it is a Joe Girard night, he stays on the floor a little longer. If he misses his first two shots, maybe he comes back out. But I've just listed, you know, you have your We're five starters. Nine. I've hit That's nine, nine. And I haven't even mentioned Robert Braswell. And then probably, the, I guess, with them, you're going after that to the second center, the second freshman center, and right. then Howard Washington. Right. And and Jim Beheim did say that and Howard's, way, Howard's like, behind the other four, and, yeah. and, and we get that. Um, so I understand if Howard was out of the equation. I understand if, if either Jesse Edwards or John Bola Jack's out of the equation. I think, again, Robert Braswell, we saw him get some minutes toward the end of last year, and he did some good things. Steve, the kid's got a lot of talent. He can shoot the ball. He can really shoot. And if this team's strength is going to be we're a good shooting team, then why not play a, another good shooter at times? Maybe not. I'm not advocating that he starts, but hey, if, if we're going to have a Buddy Bayheim here and an Elijah Hughes here, and well, why don't we put our other potentially best shooting forward on the floor in Bob and Bobby Braswell? Um, so we'll see. But. A lot of the past few years, when we've talked about potential depth of horse season, some of that depth got taken away because of injuries. Fair. So it's not because Beheim always eventually guts down to like six or seven guys. A couple of these past years, he's had guys taken away. You know, Barama, uh, probably the best example of the last couple of years of a, of a guy. And I went through the record book last week when someone sort of challenged me on the whole depth thing. And I, I found several years where eight or nine guys averaged uh, over 10 minutes a game. And granted, some of those guys racked up a, a bulk early of their minutes on, early right. on. But even still... They're still, for the course of the entire season, averaging over 10 minutes a game. And it was you know, eight. I didn't have any problem finding eight and nine guy rotations. I found a couple with 10. Really? Yeah, sprinkled in there a couple years. It was amazing. You may have and to just, show just me this during the, the break. 20, I will. I mean, you and I have both been covering this team for a long time. <laughs> I, that doesn't easily come to mind for me when they played 10 guys on a regular basis. But it, No, it, like it, I said, only once or twice. It's unusual. And I, yes. and I feel like this year might be one of those exceptions to the rule because it seems like, again, when you go through the exercise, and I know all these guys can't play, but when you go through the exercise, it's hard to eliminate anyone on that list of, well, there's no at way that guy yet. will play. Right, at, at least, least not, yet. not yet. And, you know, like last year we would have been talking right now about Jalen Carey and thinking he was going to play. And then the way it played out for him, he was not ready. I mean, 25 assists and 41 turnovers and you know Jim Beheim didn't trust him with the ball in 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 key games and you got that 
Right. Then you understand. In October of last year, everyone really thought Jalen Carey was going to have an impact, and then it just didn't work out. So we don't know. Things can change. But, um, you know, if you have that kind of depth, again, you you utilize it as a strength, and then maybe we see more of the full court press because you have fouls to give. And it's okay if Barama collects a couple fouls if you've got John Bolajak or Marek Dolajai able to come in and play the five. And I think Jesse we, Edwards. And I think we expect this team to play faster. And, you know, pressing a little bit is playing faster. You know, on, on both yeah. ends, it speeds up the game. And I think I think this particular team... That's going to be the style of play, and I, I think they'll they'll benefit from a faster tempo. And if you play faster, then got to play more guys. Exactly, exactly. All goes hand in hand. And you know, Frank Howard, bless his heart, you know, two year starter each of the last two years, he was not a push it up the floor, press, you know, the increase the pace sort of guy. He never was, and he certainly wasn't last year when we all thought he was still suffering from that ankle injury that he suffered before the season started. Just. He didn't have any kind of burst. He wasn't looking to push the ball, and they really didn't have the depth the last year or so to do it. So Jalen Carey, however, <laughs> is looking to go every chance he gets. And I think Bryson Goodine's another one that, that is going to go up the floor with his head and eyes up and looking to like get the ball up the floor quickly. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to check in. We're going to take our first time out here in hour number two. Back after this on ESPN Radio.